Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and welcome to you today. I thank you for tuning in, and I pray that this will be a blessing to you. Today, we're continuing in our Beauty of Grace series, and we're continuing with Lesson 29. And we're going to look today at the cooperation of grace. In the last episode, we discussed the character of grace, and we saw how the work of the Holy Spirit develops in us integrity and a Christ-like character in daily lives and its importance. We began to talk about that, and we looked at several things from the scriptures that speak of it. Today and in the next episode, we're going to examine a little bit more, try to go a little deeper about this character development and consider what scripture tells us about how it's done as we discuss the topic of the cooperation of grace. As we saw, it is a process, it is a lifestyle, it is a cooperative effort, and it is necessary for healthy and strong Christian maturing and life. So what does the scripture tell us about how this is done? First of all, we talked about how it is a process initiated and completed by the Holy Spirit. We would become self-righteous if we relied upon ourselves in any way, and it was done in or through us. The Lord does it through His Holy Spirit's work in us. Paul even stresses this in Romans chapter 8, and we've considered that in other episodes and understood it to be verse 2 in that chapter, a similar concept to the law of lift versus the law of gravity. The law of gravity would represent how sin holds us to the ground, holds us in a sense in bondage to sin. But the law of lift supersedes the law of gravity. And in that sense, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus supersedes the law of sin and death that's spoken of in that chapter. And it is a process done by the Holy Spirit of the living God. But just like with the law of lift that does work, it requires cooperation. The law of lift is what allows planes to fly. But a pilot has to actually engage and cooperate with the law of lift in order to be able to get that plane off the ground, and keep it off the ground until he's ready to land it. In the same way, we have to engage and cooperate with the Holy Spirit in order to overcome these things in our lives, grow to maturity, and reap the benefits of that. One way this is done is by implementing the steps that the Scripture tells us to climb up in our cooperation and Christian life journey. It's similar to steps in a staircase or like rungs on a ladder. In God's building process, there are no such things as escalators or elevators. It is a climbing. It is a work of time and effort. It is diligent cooperation. Let's examine a few things from the Bible in this episode, and we'll continue this in the next one also. In Romans chapter 1, verse 17, for instance, As a matter of fact, I'm going to read verse 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. 
For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So here Paul speaks of this concept of from faith to faith. In other words, from one level of faith to the next. Similar to a multi-story building that you would climb stairs to get from one to the next. The gospel, through the work of the Holy Spirit and His grace, is the one who does the work when we cooperate. In Hebrews chapter 11, Verse 1 and verse 6 gives us the definition of faith and also expresses to us the necessity of faith and the tenet of faith. In other words, we must believe that God exists. God is. He is living. He's not some dead God. He is alive. He is living. And he rewards those who diligently seek him. In the last episode, we looked at the diligence that's required in character development. It's a constant and ongoing process. It's a lifestyle where you develop the right kind of habits, and it brings rewards. In the last episode, we looked at, for instance, a few examples. In life, multiplication tables, they bring rewards once you learn them. Learning to play an instrument after you've practiced those scales and and practiced and practiced, it pays off and it has its rewards. An exercise program takes a lot of discipline at first, but it pays off in the end and it's a blessing in the end. I want us now to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And this is not a very long chapter, but I want to read the entire chapter because I want you to understand the context. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning of verse 1. Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or do we need, as some others, epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. And we have such trust through Christ toward God, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. In other words, he's saying here that the ministry, which he says of condemnation, meaning that it it wasn't that the law was bad, it just could not, we could not keep it. So it was constantly reminding us that we failed. We couldn't keep it. But he's saying that it even had its own glory. But how much more does the ministry of righteousness, when it's imputed to us through faith in Jesus Christ and his work alone, the ministry of righteousness then exceeds in much more glory. Continuing in the reading, verse 10, For even what was made glorious 
had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. In other words, in comparison, the Old Testament and the law had no glory compared to the greater glory that's in the righteousness of God in Christ. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded, for until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Praise be to God for that. Verse 17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So the context of this entire chapter is comparison and contrast of the two glories that it's talking about here. The Old Covenant, the law that was with Moses, even though it was condemning in the sense that it was a constant reminder that we could not meet the demands of it. It still had glory to the point that Moses' face had to even be veiled or they could not look upon him because of him being in the presence of the Lord who wrote it. But in the new covenant, it's much more glorious. It's a higher level. It's a higher degree of glory. The veil is removed in Christ for anyone Jew or Gentile, and we can see it and attain growth from it, from one level of glory to the next and upward. I want to look at Philippians chapter 3, and I want to read these words from Paul also. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord, for me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcise the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. So Paul's just lifting here. These are all these accolades that I could try to make a boast in. And he's, in a sense, saying, I've got more to boast in than most of you do. In a sense, he's kind of saying that. Verse 7, But what things were gained to me. In other words, he's saying, I was on my way into high and higher places in Judaism. I was on my way to the higher levels of rabbis and Pharisees and Sanhedrin that was in my future, and I could have attained that with these traits, with these accolades. But notice verse 7, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss 
for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence, the superiority, the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish or as dung, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. So Paul is saying to us, the prize, the most superior thing is knowing Jesus in an intimate, real relationship. That's the greater glory. That's the more superior thing. That's the high level that we are seeking to attain to and that the Holy Spirit is working to bring us to. And he says, we forget the past because there's more to reach for. We forget our past. Most people think of this only in a bad sense. But even in this chapter, in the context, we're seeing Paul is listing all of these things that he could try to boast in, all of these good things, so, so to speak, that he thinks he did. And he says, I'm forgetting all of it. The good, the bad, and the ugly, we forget our past because there's more to reach for. There's more ahead. There's more levels to attain. There's more progress to make. There, I've got more climbing to do. I'm letting the Holy Spirit work in me and there's more maturing I need to do. So he says the veil is removed in Christ in 2 Corinthians 3. And he says we now can look with unveiled faces, looking as if in a mirror. Now normally in a mirror you see yourself. But what Paul is talking about here is in this mirror, you see the image that we are to become, the image of Jesus Christ. In James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25, it says this, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So here, James, in a sense, is picking up with Paul on this same kind of concept. The mirror that James is discussing here, he says you can see yourself in the mirror and you go away, you forget 
all of that. Or you can look into the mirror of the perfect law of liberty and continue in it by being a doer of the word. A doer being one who looks into that mirror and is transformed into that image, not their own. That's talking about being metamorphosis, metamorphosed or changed, transformed. Comes from the concept of like we would think of a caterpillar through the cocoon process becoming a beautiful butterfly. And that's what the Holy Spirit does with us. This process climbing from one level of glory to the next and on upward till we reach the prize, which is the image of Jesus in its completion, is a lifelong process done by the Holy Spirit with our cooperation. The Holy Spirit works and prompts us daily and continually. Our responsibility is to cooperate with him. Oh, beloved friend, may we do that. I pray this has been a blessing to you. There's more beauties of grace to come. And I pray you can join us for future episodes in this series. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.